Welcome to another episode of Coaching Origins. I'm Jeff Pitwell. Today's guest is Portland State head coach, Jace Coburn. And if you don't live on the West Coast, there's a good chance you've never heard of Jace Coburn. But I promise his story will be one of the most unique ones we will ever bring you on this podcast. As a kid, he was a national champion in karate. At 18, 19 years old, he ran his own AAU program. At 23, he was named a varsity high school head coach for the first time. At 26, he won his first state championship. After working his way up through the junior college ranks, he finally made it to Portland State, where now he's the head coach. Here's Coaching Origins with Jace Coburn. All right, Jace, I want to start in uh, December of 1994. Uh, you win the International Shotokan Karate Federation National Championship at 11 years old. And you are, at least with the local newspaper, branded a, a prodigy at 11 years old. I guess it was the second year in a row you'd won your age group. Your parents own the dojo. Obviously, you've been around it your entire life. But did you enjoy it? I mean, did you... did was it just sort of your environment and you took part in it because it was around you all the time or was, was karate something that you really, you really liked? First off, that's incredible that you found that because <laughs> a lot of my history people can't find when it comes to that. And I'm going to give you all the credit in the world for finding that I, you're the first person who has brought that up to me. I mean, people know a little bit about my background, but you're the first person who's brought that up to me. So I'm going to give you all in the credit, all the credit. I will take it. Yeah. I will take um, it. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I started when I was three. Um, you know, I was basically born in a dojo. My, like you said, my mom and dad brought me up in it. And um, it really molded me as to who I am now. Um, because even at a young age, I would sit there and watch my dad and my mom teach people that were their age or older than them. And so it really taught me, you know, from the time I was three and on how to be a leader. Um, and so, you know, I, it was almost like I was a, I was a natural born leader because I just, I was around it so much. I was, I, you know, I watched my dad and mom six days a week lead people. And so, um, you know, but I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, you know, I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything. Um, you know, I'd, I'd come home from school, do my homework real quick and get to the dojo and start working. And then I'd stay there all night until my parents were done teaching. And then we'd go home, eat dinner at nine o'clock or whatever and go to bed. And, you know, it's time to go to school the next day. So, I, you know, and I wouldn't change that for anything. Um, I'm forever indebted to my parents for putting me in that situation because it's, it's made me who I am today. It taught me discipline. It taught me, you know, probably more so than anything. It taught me how to have spirit. You know, um, I pride myself on having the most spirit in any room, whether regardless of it's basketball, karate, martial arts, what, I mean, whatever, baseball, anything, you know, I played a bunch of sports when I was growing up and, you know, it's, this is a long winded answer, but like, that's authentically like who I am. I don't even know if authentically is a word, but like, that's, we'll like, that's who I am, you know? Um, you know, and so my parents always told me you might not be the fastest, quickest, strongest, but you better have the most spirit. And so they constantly pushed me. And I, fortunate for me is like, I almost kind of grew up like a, like a coach's son really in a lot of ways. Cause when I went home, it was the same deal, you know? So, um, but yeah, I, I loved it. And, um, you know, my kid is, uh, 18 months right now and I can guarantee you he's going to be doing the same thing I did around that time. You were a ball boy at Arizona state. Um, if my research wow. is correct. Um, so when did the basketball bug bite you? Um, you are really good. I'm trying, baby. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> So, yeah. So I was a ball boy. I was a ball boy at ASU. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I loved going to basketball camp in the summer. Um, you know, and my parents always, you know, it wasn't like they made me choose one sport or another. They wanted me to do a bunch of different things and, and, uh, they knew I really liked basketball. And, um, it, I remember going to my first basketball game. It sounds kind of crazy, but in 19, I think it was 88, 
when Kevin Johnson got traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers to the Phoenix Suns, my parents took me to my first game. I, I guess I was probably five. And uh, the thing I liked most was the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. So I wanted to go back. And so I just kept going back. Or my parents just kept taking me back. And so then I fell in love with basketball at you know, that age also with martial arts. And so I was doing both and, you know, KJ and Tom Chambers and Jeff Hornacek and all those guys like, you know, Mark West. I mean, I, you know, I, that's kind of where my love for basketball started. Then I became a ball boy at ASU and, and uh, it was really great. Like those, those coaches treated me great. The players treated me great um, when I was a ball boy and, and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. I got to sit behind the ASU bench a lot and interact with the players and the coaches and um, the managers. And, um, you know, I still try and stay in touch with some of those guys, um, you know, as much as I can now that I'm all grown up, you know. So, um, but, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I had, I had a great time doing that. Your high school career uh, played at Mesquite High School for a guy named Sam Dwayne, who I know was a part of your journey uh, as you went. But as a player for him, um, what was maybe the biggest the biggest lesson you were able to to take from him that I'm I'm sure somewhere it may not be that may not be buried that deep inside you right now, but it's something that you still still use today. No, I mean he's forever been one of my role models. Um, you know he 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 took my uh, thinking about basketball to a whole nother level. He taught me uh, about basketball. Like, you know, when I was a player, I, I, I kind of, you know, before I played for him, I kind of just played basketball and I was just a talented kid. I mean, you know, seventh, eighth grade, whatever. I was a talented kid who could, you know, shoot, pass, dribble, whole thing. And, um, but he helped me understand how to play basketball. And we still do some drills, um, you know, here at Portland State, that I learned from him 20, you know, 20, whatever, 20 plus years ago. Um, and, you know, he, he taught me a lot, you know, and then the other thing too, is, is like I said, I was a real spirited person. And uh, the thing that I really owe him is he, he helped me channel my spirit, um, you know, in the right ways. And so, you know, I, I really learned a lot from him and he's still one of my role models to this day. And I talk to him still and, and, um, yeah, he's been insanely uh, good, a good basketball coach. Like he's insanely good. Um, you know, he's, he's done a lot at the schools he's been at and fortunate enough for me, he, he got me started in coaching because um, I graduated high school and our JV coach had went overseas on a vacation uh, during the summer. And so he asked me to, to coach the JV team during the summer. And so I did it. And that's where I fell in love with coaching. I was like, man, like, I knew as a player, I probably wasn't going that far. And so I was like, man, I, I really like this. So, you know, and then I ended up coaching for him after college at Corona del Sol. And, and uh, so, yeah, I owe a lot to him. Coaching never crossed your mind until sort of that opportunity uh, or, or was it uh, maybe just, you know, I actually, actually like he was the one who introduced me to it and gave me the opportunity and chance to actually do it. Leading up to then, I always wanted to be a coach, but I had never done it before. Right. You know, so like even when I was a young guy, um, you know, like most kids played with like toys and stuff. Like when they were kids, I played with basketball cards like I would organize the cards in like lineups and depth charts and things like that. Before depth charts even became popular, I was like a eight, nine-year-old kid lining up depth charts on every NBA team. Like I knew every player and I knew their stats and the whole thing. And so, you know, I, I always knew that I wanted to be, you know, involved, um, you know, and then, like I said, watching my parents lead. And I, I just knew like from an early age that I wanted to be a coach at some point. Talk to me about the process of somehow getting involved with AAU teams and, coaching AAU teams and at 18, 19, 20 and driving kids across state lines at that age. Uh, how, how do we get to that point? And, and how many, uh, I don't even know, not as much, uh, how many permission slips do we need signed from parents to uh, give you the, the trust to uh, start taking their kids far, far away? You know, I, I really believe that like, as I'm getting older, I, I'm really starting to understand like how indebted I am to people because 
if those parents would have never let me take their kids, like you said, across line, state lines to basketball tournaments as an 18, 19, 20 year old guy. To Las Vegas is um, one yeah, of the stops, Vegas, correct? <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas, LA. I mean, we were all over the place with Houston. I mean, we were all over the place. And so, you know, but it, it started, you know, with, with those guys that I coached the, as JV players. And so, you know, I coached them in the summer and then it carried into next summer. And so, and it just kept evolving. And then it turned into this really big thing. And then all of a sudden I had like five teams going at one time and I was just a 20 year old guy. Try, I couldn't even buy a drink then. Like, I, you know, I didn't know what, you know, was going on, but I, those parents really trusted me. Um, so I owe a lot to them too. Cause that, that really kickstarted my career and, that's how I met a lot of college coaches. And then all of a sudden it turned into like, man, like I want, I want to be a college coach. Like, you know, so um, yeah, I, it was a great opportunity, great experience. I mean, I, I really learned how to do everything because I recruited kids to our team. I had to go out there and fundraise and get money because, you know, these other teams, you know, had all this funding. And then, um, you know, I even, I even took a class uh, in college to figure out how to create a website. So I like created my own website. Like I, 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 you know, I ordered the uniforms, I designed the uniforms, I washed the uniforms, I drove the vans, I coached the game. One time, here's a quick deal. One time um, I coached like 11 games in a row one day. I coached 11 in a row. So my dad ran AU basketball tournaments in Arizona at the time. And so we were talking, it was like trying to figure out how am I gonna coach you know, I think I had like three or four teams. How am I going to coach my teams the whole way through this day? Cause like, I'm not going to be able to do it. So I coached 11 basketball games in a row one day. And so I didn't, you know, I, I didn't eat anything. I don't think, or maybe I had, maybe I had a snack or something. I, I don't know, but like uh, that was definitely one of the hardest things I've had to do as a coach, but uh, I just, I like helping people. So like, you know, those, those kids all wanted to play basketball. So yeah, I was going to give my best effort for 11 hours straight, like, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. One of the articles I read about your parents that they, they had the dojo, but they were also real estate agents by day. And, and there was, I think one of the reporters asked you about your plans and it was sort of a throw, I, even just reading it, you were like, well, I, I'm thinking about maybe going into real estate, uh, but almost just reading it, I didn't believe you at all. Uh, it, what, mm -hmm. was, was there any chance real estate was in the cards for you? Or was that maybe just, hey, maybe that's the day job and then the night job will ultimately be not knowing where this is going to go for me, that, that uh, I've got a way to make some money because certainly this, this coaching stuff, especially in the early years, can be very much a starving artist business. For sure. So what happened was, I can't remember how old I was or what... Um, I was, I was really young and my parents, like you said, were both in real estate, uh, during the day. And they, they taught at the dojo at night. I mean, my, you know, going back to the 11 hour thing, like games, like my parents worked all day long. And then after they worked, um, they taught at night. So like, that's all I knew. I, I knew you're just supposed to work all day long. So, uh, they made me get my real estate license when I was really young. I forgot, like, I, I forgot what the age is, but like whatever the age was or what year it was, whenever I was like legally able to do it, uh, I had to go to real estate school and during the summer. So I was like in college, I think. And during the summer I was sitting in real estate classes. And so they always encouraged me to have that. And I still actually do, um, you know, so, um, but when I was like 23, I was at a crossroads. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm coaching at Phoenix college and I'm graduating from Arizona state. So like, I need to, um, figure something out to pay the bills. Like, you know, my, my little stipend check over here at Phoenix college ain't going to pay the bills. So I, you know, was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get into real estate. Well, a couple of high school jobs popped open. And so I applied for a couple, um, high school jobs and, um, I didn't get them and, you know, I was 23. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that had a factor in it maybe, or, or whatever, maybe they just had better candidates. I don't know. But, uh, but then I got my chance. I got my chance at McClintock high school and, uh, Kim Hilgers, another person I'm indebted to forever, uh, took a chance on a 23 year old guy to, to coach one of the best high schools in Arizona. And so, um, so once that happened, I dropped the real estate thing. I just, 
decided, you know what, I'm just going to keep my license for the rest of my life because it was really hard to get it because I don't know, studying for something that you didn't really want to do and you just want to coach <laughs> basketball is really hard. So um, mm-hmm. it, it, it was definitely a struggle to do it and get it because I wasn't really motivated to do it because I just wanted to coach basketball. And so, but she gave me the opportunity to have a full-time job. So once I had that opportunity, I was like, all right, real estate thing's going to be on the back burner. And honestly, ever since I, I haven't looked back and I've had a full-time job ever since then. So um, I haven't needed to use it. You and I have a very similar first page to our stories. I, I, I was not a good high school player, but I, I was like, I think I want to coach. And when I was in college, I'd hooked up with my, my old JV coach. He'd gotten a varsity job and I, you know, helped him out in the summers. And while I was in college, driving back and forth to help some games. And then my last three years in college, I, you know, I coached seventh grade for one year. I coached ninth grade for two more years. And that, you know, you're still in college. You're, you hook back up with, with Sam Dwayne there at, at Corona del Sol, you go coach junior college, then you get the job at McClintock. And this is all, you know, pre 23. The biggest problem for me at that point was I thought I had all these good ideas in my head and all these people that I'd worked for that I thought were good basketball people that I tried to, I was just ultimately trying to be a carbon copy on some level, but I could never get the ideas in my head to my mouth to come out that made any sense. And so it ended up just, I yelled a lot because that was the only thing I knew how to do because I didn't know how to teach at all. When you're at that age, let alone running your own program at 23, but when you're trying to coach junior college and you're coaching guys older than you and you're, 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 you're 20, 21, and you're, you're, with, you're with your guy there, uh, did the teaching part of the game come to you naturally or was there sort of some time there where you kind of had to get your seed legs under you to try to be able to explain to, to get all that smart stuff in your brain to get it out and in, in a productive manner. So I would say it, it was never a hard thing for me. Not, I'm not trying to say I'm cool or anything like that, but like it, it, it's never been hard because um, I grew up watching my parents. Right. So like I was saying earlier, my, my parents taught people 10, 15, 20 years older than them. And so I sat there every single night watching how they, how they carry themselves, what they do. And like in, in my mind, I would mimic it. And, you know, so I, like you said, I started at three years old doing that. I, you know, I was watching that the whole, my whole life. So I really think, you know, cause people back then used to ask me all the time about the age difference. Guys were older than me. Like when I was 20, whatever, 21 at Phoenix college, we had a dude on the team was six years older than me. And, you know, a guy that was like two years older than me. And so I think it's a lot about how you carry yourself. Um, and if you have those leadership qualities, um, you know, like for instance, you know, we would go to a tournament to check in, you know, when, when I was coaching my AU team and I was, you know, 18, 19, 20, and I'd go to check in, drop all the information off. And they'd say, no, we, we need your coach, not, not you. And I'd say, no, I am the coach. Oh, oh, okay. And so my dad used to get mad because he used to tell me all the time, like, Hey, like, you know, or, or, or people would just call me a kid, you know, coaching. My dad used to get mad because he's like, you know what? Like, that's completely disrespectful to call you a kid. So like, I, I, it's completely disrespectful because there's people that are in the military sacrificing their lives at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, like those are the real leaders. Like they're leading other men. Like they're, they're the ones that, you know, are, are like, I'm coaching basketball, you know, at 18, 19, 20, 21, like they're doing real life and death stuff and they're having to lead. So like me leading a basketball team at 18, 19, 20, 21, like that shouldn't be a big deal, you know, um, because there's people doing far more important things than me. Um, so, you know, I, and I, you know, I've always respected that. And I've, I always kind of looked at that and was like, man, you know what? Like if those guys can do it, like I should be able to lead a basketball team. So, yeah. You're at McClintock. You're in one of the first articles written about you. There was, uh, the reporter said that you gave, you played your junior college uh, for two years there, but he said he gave up his playing career prematurely without regrets. Um, Obviously in the moment and, you know, when you're, you can be so nearsighted in a way at, at, in your early twenties, when you're just hyper locked into what you're doing now, you know, 15 years later, 
and, and, and I know that it might've changed your path and where you are today. So maybe the easy answer is no. Is there any part of you that's like, man, maybe I, I, I should have given it a little more of a run and just kind of played till the wheels fell off before I started this journey? Or are you, are you wholly content with, with the way it's all come through for you? I mean, obviously how things have worked out, my, my answer is, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm content with that, how everything worked out. Um, you know, um, obviously hungry for more, but, um, you know, I want to make sure that we get this program to where it needs to be. Um, but in terms of my path, like, you know, I, I used to try and figure out like what the best way is and, and all that. So like one, uh, one time, uh, when I was younger, I, I went online and I, I, uh, charted out every single division one coach and figured out what the step was before they got to division one. So like, I, I literally went through every school and I, I marked down, like, did they come from high school? Did they come from AU? Did they come from junior college? Or like, how did, did they come from division two? Like, how did they get their start? You know, were they a GA? Were they a manager? Like, you know, what, you know, so I charted it out to try and figure out like, what is the best move? Like, I want to be a division one coach. And so like, what is the best move? So, you know, during that time I was trying to figure it out, but there's no right or wrong path. The thing that I've figured out is that there's no right or wrong path. Like, of course you can do things to get yourself in the best position, but um, there's, you know, everybody's got a different path. And so like when it came to me playing, you know, I haven't played basketball, I guess in like 18 years or something. Um, and we're going on, I'm about to be 19 years and I, I, I don't miss it. Like playing, like I don't with the guys, like I don't play. Um, I don't go to a gym and play open gym um, because once I was at peace with not playing, I knew that I needed to give a hundred percent of me to coaching. And, and that's what I did. And I never looked back and never thought, man, maybe I should continue on playing. I'll never forget like the, the last meeting I had with my coach who was an, an outstanding coach. We actually did one of his drills and practice today. Um, you know, he asked me if I wanted to continue on playing and I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. Like I, I fell in love with coaching and this is what I want to do. And so, you know, I, I never looked back at it ever again. February of 2010, third year at McClintock, mm -hmm. you win a state championship, 73-71, beat Phoenix Sunny Slope. What do you remember about that day? I remember the bus ride there. I remember everything about it. I remember the bus ride there. Um, I remember being in a nice, fancy arena. Um, thinking, wow, like we're here. Um, you know, I remember the tip. I remember, I, I remember everything about it. The thing I remember most is the joy and the happiness of all of our players after and all of our coaches. Um, for me, I was kind of like relieved, um, because I knew I had a really talented team. Um, but I just remember being so excited and so happy for a bunch of guys who, you know, could always look back on a state championship. I'll never forget, you know, like, I mean, we, we had a celebration on the floor. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget it because I was just like, man, these guys like need this in their lives. Um, you know, they need some positivity in their lives and, and uh, you know, and, and nobody could ever take that away from those guys. And, you know, they're, they're winners to forever, you know, and um I'll never forget those guys. I'll never forget that team. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a fun group and, and uh, yeah, I still talk to some of those guys now and, and um, you know, every now and then one of them will text me too. And so I, uh, I owe a lot to those guys. I, I really do. I, I, you know, man, I love that team. What can you tell me about the rocks you carried in your pocket that season? <laughs> you know, I, the rocks I carried, I do a bunch of different things, you know, um, the rocks help me keep grounded, you know, and, uh, they said, always believe. And, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget carrying around those rocks all season because we, we had won a game and I had them in my pocket. So I just, you know, stayed with it. You know, I'm, I'm a very superstitious person too. I'm very superstitious. Like I don't, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of things I do that's, completely exhausting to get ready for a game, to be quite honest. Like it's, it is exhausting for me to get ready for a game. Um, but uh, yeah, I've always been like that. Even when I was growing up, you know, um, fighting and stuff, like I, I just had my, 
you know, traditions or superstitions or whatever that I did every single time. And, and, uh, you know, my routine and it always, it always helps me lock in and focus more. So the fact that I was carrying around those rocks, like it just kind of helped me lock in and focus more because, um, it just put me on that path. 2011, you go to Howard junior college there in Texas. Um, after your four-year run there at McClintock coach with, uh, work for Mark Adams, of course, now at Texas tech, uh, in terms of your growth and maybe getting out of the comfort zone, uh, I mean, you'd been a Phoenix Tempe guy and, but now you're into Texas and not that you're all the way across the country, but you're, you're not home and necessarily anymore. What was that, uh, transition like for you in, in terms of just packing up and let's, let's go to Texas and, and start this next step. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was, uh, it was definitely like, I, I left my full-time job and, um, just packed all my stuff up and moved into a dorm room. You know, I mean, I, that was a sacrifice I was willing to make and, and, um, what I wanted to do. Um, and I think like knowing I was going out there to work for coach Adams, like was a big, I mean, that was like the biggest part of my decision. Um, because, I knew what a great coach he was. I knew how much better I was going to get. I knew how much better I was going to be. Um, I knew that, you know, I, I probably needed to um, start on my college path. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, it, it was a tough decision to just pack up and move. And there's not a lot of people who would probably do that, you know, and just move away and all of a sudden you're living in a dorm room and you know like right next to the players and all that but it was a sacrifice that I was willing to make because that's what I wanted to be I wanted to be a college basketball coach and who better to learn from than, than coach Adams like I you know I mean we've talked a lot about me being indebted to people it's like of course like I'm you know coach Adams taught me so many things like he sees the game in so many ways that other people don't notices the smallest details that people don't even think about. Like, you know, I just won a state championship and I was going to work for him and I can't tell you how much I like learned. Like, I mean, I, there was so much stuff that I learned in my two years with him that I didn't even think about or realize was part of the game. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a tremendous coach and I always knew I'm, I'm so, I know you didn't ask about this, but I'm so, um, excited and happy for him that he got the chance that he's got because I always knew when I was his assistant coach, I was like, this guy's like the best coach in the country, regardless of the level that we're at. And I was like, he and nobody needs- knows about him. Yeah. outside, and, you know. Yeah. And the Ju- Juco people knew, sure. but like, I don't know if they like really, really knew everybody really respected coach Adams back then, but I'm just like sitting here going like, no, like he will be the best coach in the country if somebody gives him a chance and opportunity and he proved it. And so that, like, I was just so happy for him. And um, I truly believe he's the best coach in the country. Like, I mean, he just, you know, I, I, I knew it from the time that I worked for him that, that he was the best coach in the country, regardless of, you know, all the famous people and all that. And man, he, he's just, he's a wonderful basketball coach. Two years there. Portland state comes into your world. Um, how does, uh, how do you end up, how do you end up in Portland? I mean, what, what's the, is there a relationship there or is this just, Hey, it's time. I need to start sending out a thousand resumes and they're the one who picked up the phone. So I was perfectly happy in my role at Howard. Um, like you said, I, I was very fortunate at Howard because I had coach Adams and then another mentor of mine is um, coach Earl Diddle and he coached the women's team at Howard and, you know, coached a bunch of different places. And so every single day it was like, I was in a coaching clinic because I would listen to coach Adams and coach Diddle talk. And I just shut my mouth and listened and learned. And, you know, which, you know, maybe not a lot of people would do after being a high school coach and head coach and all that, but like, just listening to those two men talk about everything really like took my whole thinking to another level. And so I was very, very fortunate to be in that spot and situation. I was perfectly happy being in that situation moving forward. Um, 
because I still think there's a lot of things that like I could have learned if I, if I would have been around those two guys longer, but, um, I had a mutual friend that was on the staff, um, Anthony Owens. Um, and, um, so yeah, like he kind of approached me and said, Hey man, like we might have a job at Portland state. And I always wanted to be a division one coach. And then, so I kind of, I got to know coach Kevin and, um, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, we had a really talented team at Howard for two years. And so and we were really successful recruiting. And um, to be honest, when I was at Howard, um, my dad got really sick. And so I had to go home for a little while during the summer. And I recruited uh, from my parents' house in Phoenix, um, you know, while I was an assistant coach at Howard. It was crazy. But um, so anyway, we had a really talented team. And I think that really helped me. Um, you know, just being around talented players. And so I got to know coach Gavin and coach Gavin took a chance on me and, and, um, yeah, gave me the opportunity and I threw everything in my car and just drove on up here. It's probably cliche to you at this point, cause I'm sure you've been asked about it umpteen times about the 2003 Chevy Tahoe with no air conditioning and no heat and all of that and eating on the floor and only eating pasta and, and, you know, your, your comments from your, your press conference when you're introduced of, you know, I don't eat breakfast. I want to be hungry. I'll wait till lunch. Is that ultimately, uh, and I think the phrase you used was, you know, you've, you've been in the dirt, but is, is that, uh, is that ultimately just an extension of your, of your martial arts background and just the discipline and, and being able to be comfortable in the uncomfortable? Um, it's definitely a mentality, right? Um, and see, the thing is, is that, you know, people always ask me, do I still drive the car? Do I still not eat breakfast and all that stuff, which is completely fine because, you know, it is what it is. Um, but the thing that pe like the people might not have linked together is that like, I didn't have the money to get my car fixed. I didn't have money to eat breakfast. So I, I chose, you know, I, I was faced with the, you know, what am I going to choose? Am I, am I going to sit here and complain about how my life is and how hot it is driving in my car or how cold it is, you know, or, you know, or that I'm hungry and I don't have money to eat and all this, or am I just going to try and spin this in my own head from a mentality standpoint and just say, all right, bring it like, all right, cool. Like, I'm not going to eat breakfast today. Cool. It's, it's going to make me hungry at practice then. Like, fine. Like, I'm going to bring the energy at practice because I'm so freaking hungry, you know, or is it like, you know, I, like, all right, cool. Like, how can I spin this in my head that I, I don't have AC in my car? Okay, cool. Like, let's see if I can do this. Like, let's just test myself. Like, let's see if I can drive in my car when it's a hundred and whatever outside and like, and still be the positive person I need to be for my team. And so, yeah, like, and I learned that, you know, and like you said, like I learned that at an early age is that like, you know, you got to be disciplined and it's all about a mentality about, you know, are you going to complain or have excuses? Like my dad would never let me have an excuse. So like, am I going to complain and have excuses or am I going to flip this in my mind? Am I going to be strong enough to be able to flip this in my mind and somehow some crazy way turn this thing into a positive? So some crazy way. I, I flipped it, you know, in my own mind to make it a positive and test myself. And I, I refuse to complain or make excuses about my situation, no matter what it is. So, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, a different way that, you know, may, maybe people don't understand, but like, that's okay. Cause I gotta be me. Four years there at, at Portland state. And I guess it's, it's the unfortunate part of the job for somebody that, sometimes head coaches get fired and your head coach, Tyler Geving was fired mm -hmm. um, after that 17 season uh, as the guy in the trenches with him. Um, how, I guess the word is, is uncertainty about you and your future. And then, and sort of a, you know, a bit of a, uh, it, it feels like a rare case is a new coach comes in from the outside but he keeps you, you know, oftentimes that's a, we're cleaning house and we're going to, we're going to start just, if you can walk through those, you know, the final oh. month of, of, 
of, of yeah. Tyler's time there before then uh, Barrett Peary comes in and, and keeps you on board. Yeah. I mean, obviously anytime you get let go as a staff, it's, it's scary, right? Like you're like, dude, what, what's next? Like, what, what am I going to do? And you get to try and figure it out. And, um, you know, and like, like I said, I, I forever am thankful to coach Kevin for giving me the opportunity to come to Portland state. I wouldn't be at the, I wouldn't be the head coach of Portland state right now if it wasn't for coach Kevin. Um, when I was going through that transition, you know, I'm a very loyal person. And so he told me like, Hey, this business is tough. So like, if you have an opportunity to stay, you need to take it. You need to stay. And I really struggled with that in my mind. Like, like I said, I, I'm a very loyal person. And so, you know, I, I really struggled with that for a while. And, but he just kept telling me like, man, you need to stay if you can stay because this business isn't easy. And if you have an opportunity to stay, you need to do it. And so, you know, just him looking out for me like that, you know, um, you know, meant the world to me. And so, you know, when I was here as the interim guy and they were trying to figure out, you know, who they were going to, um, have be the coach I just and I owe a lot to our players back then because you know I, I wasn't going to be the guy deciding their playing time like I you know and our guys knew that but like our guys did everything possible whether it was like going to study hall on time every day and you know and doing all the right things and all that and, and they did that for me and so when coach Peary got hired um you know, it wasn't like he was walking into a situation that was like just the guys were everywhere. People were transferring. I mean, it was just, you know, the guys all hung tight and and uh, really respected me as an assistant coach back then. And, and um, you know, I appreciate everything those guys did for me during that uncertain time. And um, when Coach Perry got the job, going back to my days of being an 18-year-old, 19-year-old guy coaching AU basketball, uh, Coach Perry is one of the first two people I met um, back when I was 18, 19. So if I never would have started that AU team all the way back then, um, I would have never met Coach Perry. And so, you know, because I had some players at the time that he was recruiting. And so we kind of got to know each other. And, and uh, you know, I, I knew him my whole coaching career. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, like, you know, he was great friends with Coach Adams and, and I worked for Coach Adams, and Coach Adams vouched for me, and and uh, you know, and I like I said, I had known Coach Perry for 15 years, probably or maybe longer, um, and you know, so it all just came together, and uh, yeah, so it, it's a little unusual, but um, I was really lucky that you know Portland State uh, decided to hire Coach Perry, and and uh, forever indebted to him for keeping me here, you know, because I wouldn't be the head coach if if he didn't keep me, so. Um, you know, through the journey, I, I'm very grateful and thankful to all the people that have helped me. And I don't, um, I don't ever think that I did this like on my own or anything like that. Um, cause it's, it takes some help from people to get to where you're at. And so, um, all those people that helped me along the way from the time I was three to now, like I wouldn't be the person I am and wouldn't be in the position I am without any of them. So well, I, I guess sort of the ultimate unusual would be, hey, we're we're going to let a head coach go, but then we're going to pr promote someone from his staff immediately to be a head coach. Um, you're the interim, you know, before uh, you know before Coach Perry gets there. Is there is there any part of your brain that's like, I want this job, I'm going to try to get this job, or was that just a non-starter at that point for you? No, no, I I, I never at the time I never thought. Like I, I knew that that wasn't my role and I knew what that that's what the team, the team didn't need that, you know, um, the team didn't need me trying to get the job because at the same time, I know how uncomfortable it can be because I, I wanted to stay after coach Gavin told me to try and stay. I knew I wanted to stay. And so I knew that like whoever the head new head coach was going to be like, they weren't going to keep somebody who tried to just get their job. Right. So I, I and I knew that I, I knew that like, I wasn't, you know, I, I'm very self-aware of like situations and things like that. So like, I, I knew like that I, I was not going to be like that. That was not me. And 
you know, probably the bigger thing is, is that that's not what the team needed. Like the team didn't need me at that time to be the head coach like that, you know, that never even crossed my mind. And I don't even know, to be honest, I don't even know if I would have been comfortable doing that um, just because I was loyal to coach Gebbing. So like, yeah, I, that never even, never even crossed my mind. After one year with coach, uh, with coach Perry, you're, you're promoted to associate head coach for the, for the layman. What's the difference between assistant coach and an associate head coach? And what's, what's the different stuff that's on your plate with that? I think that uh, when coach Perry did that for me, um, I think that kind of just like, for me, it's, it solidified some confidence as an assistant coach to know that your head coach believes and trusts you, you know, um, you know, so, so for me that it, it was, I mean, and people, you know, like I'm, you know, and it's not like I'm a title guy or anything like that, but it was good to know that uh, coach Perry really trusts me um, with a lot of different things here. And um, you know, it, it really helped my career for one. Um, and so like, yeah, when, when I got the title switch, that, that was a big deal because, you know, um, and, and he didn't have to do that, you know? So uh, yeah, it was, it was a really big deal because it, it just solidified in my mind that like I was his guy and um, I really, really, really appreciated it because um, you know, like he gave me the opportunity to stay and it just, and it just let me know that like, all right, man, like you are doing a good job, um, you know, for, for the head coach and he does trust you and he does believe in you so yeah it was awesome a little off the path but i love this story and, and i know how important uh family is for the sacrifices they have to make for for you to you know for for any coach to chase their dreams but uh a covid wedding at the big sky tournament uh how much of a much of a hard sell was that uh for your bride to hey let's get married on a basketball court Funny thing is she had to convince me to do it. Really? Yeah. Because, um, at, like during the day, so we were hanging out, the, you know, it, it got, everything got canceled. Right. And so, um, going back to situations like my car breakfast, all that stuff, like, um, our team, we won five games in a row, I think maybe six, I can't remember, but, uh, we were like the hottest team going into the tournament. We felt like we had a really good chance to win. No disrespect to any of those other teams that were really good, but like, we felt like we had, we had a chance. We knew we had a chance to win. And um, so when the news came down, our team took it really hard. You know, we had a bunch of seniors on that team and, and um, you know, they took it really hard. So we were just kind of sitting around and my uncle and my dad had brought up because we were supposed to get married in May and, my uncle and dad brought up that like, maybe we should just get married tonight. And we kind of just looked at you like, what? So then we were talking about it and, um, you know, it was like, all right, well, here's another opportunity to turn something completely awful and completely negative into a positive day. And so, um, you know, we looked at it like that. And then I was like, wait, like your mom and dad aren't here. So like, this is like, this is a problem. Right. And so she convinced me that it was going to be okay. And we talked to her mom and dad and they said it was okay. And so they threw it on um, like FaceTime or something like that. And my whole family's from Boise. So our team was there. Um, my whole family was there. Like when we go to Boise for our conference tournament, my whole family goes and we probably have more fans than any other team um, because my family's so awesome. Um, so yeah. So we just threw the wedding together and called the conference and they said, yeah, you guys can use the arena and nothing's going on in there, obviously. And so my wife went and got like this white jumpsuit from across the street. And um, we had one of our parents um, uh, of a kid of our, on our team went and got some flowers. And um, my cousin went and got my ring from Dick Sporting Goods that I still wear. It's the best ring ever. I highly recommend the rubber rings if you're a basketball coach. Um, and so yeah, we just threw it all together within a matter of a couple hours. And um, yeah, we went out there and played some music and my cousin showed up and did the wedding. And um, yeah, it was great. Like it was a life memory and uh, you know, not everybody gets that opportunity and chance to do something like that. And my wife's pretty cool. Like, you know, she's, she's great. And uh, you know, she totally gets it. 
you know you're going to be renewing your vows somewhere at some point soon, right? I mean, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, <laughs> we still want to have the reception and stuff like that. There you go. You know, Just we, out we on the went, party. We went to a Chinese restaurant after for, for um, which is a great Chinese restaurant in Boise, by the way, but like, uh, we, we went to a Chinese restaurant after and like, just kind of hung out that night. You know, I, it was, it was an interesting reception, but I'm um, sure it was, I'm sure it was. Well, you're, you're, I guess the six degrees of Kevin Bacon here, uh, everybody knows everybody 2021 coach Perry leaves to Texas tech to work for Mark Adams again. And now, now the door is open for you to, to take over this program. Um, how was the interview process for you? And I guess for, was this your first head coaching interview, or had you had you slid some other ones there in the past? Uh, Division one. Division one. Yes. Yeah, it was my first one. Um, because you know what? Like, I, I always just want I, like after being here, I wanted to be the coach at Portland State, and that was like, you know, um, that was the thing that I wanted to do. Um, you know, so the interview process, um, was completely fair. Like I totally get having to go through all of that. And, um, part of the thing I told them was, was that like, you know, I, I want to be the coach at Portland state, but like, I, I didn't, I didn't take the interview as like, oh yeah, like I deserve to be the coach at Portland state and, you know, I, or, or like, this is why I want to do the interview. I, I just said, Hey, like I've worked here for eight years, not to become the coach at Portland state, but to have the opportunity to tell somebody why I should be the coach at Portland state. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in mentality with that. And so that's, you know, I, I felt like I worked here for eight years to be able to get an interview, not to get the job, but to get the interview. And that's kind of how I approached it. I mean, I didn't, I, I approached it like that. Um, you know, it, it, to be honest, it was like a fun process to go through. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's like a little bit nerve, you know, you get nervous and stuff, but like, it was a fun process to go through because it gave me a chance to compete for my dream, you know, and that, that's all I wanted. I just, I just wanted a chance and um, yeah. And it, obviously it worked out great. With it being the first, interview for you at that level uh was it calming at all just at least looking in that room and it's familiar faces you know you're not halfway uh, across the country just talking to perfect strangers you're trying to quickly I mean, build a relationship with yes and no it was a little weird to to talk about yourself in front of people you see every day you know um you know but i need i felt like i needed to let them know like the little things about myself that they might not know because you see them every day and you pass by them every day and you say hey how you doing oh you good yeah okay great like you know what i mean um you know maybe i have a meeting with them every so often so um it was a little awkward to have like an interview but i like i said i i just felt like you know i, I need to distinguish myself from being the guy that they just pass in the hall every day and who i actually am so um, but yeah, I, I'm a very competitive person. And so I just took it as, you know, this is a competition and here we go. When you get the call that it's your job, who's, who's your first phone call to? Fortunately enough for, for me, when I got the call, um, my wife and my mom and dad were all there listening. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I, uh, yeah, for, for them to be there in the room while I got the call, like, I felt like I was like an Arizona Cardinals first round draft pick, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean you get the call and you're like, oh yeah, you got all these people around you and stuff, but the most important people, you know, in my life were, were all right there and we could all share that moment together. So it was awesome. What do you remember about press conference day? No. Cause I watched it and you, 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 yeah. you looked, uh, you look like your insides were going about 500 miles an hour. I mean, I, to be honest, like going into the press conference, I decided like, I'm going to be me. Right. Like I, I have to be authentic and real. Like that's this, this, this is who I am now. Obviously I didn't, 
I've been an assistant for eight years and nobody gave a damn about anything I've said in the last eight years, you know, or even before that 10 years, whatever, like no, no one cared what the assistant coach had to say. So that's the one thing is I, I didn't realize that people are actually going to even care what I had to say. Um, but it was important for me because I had to, to sh like, I, it was an opportunity for me to finally show people who I am, you know? Um, and I'm not just like, you know, the guy on the side who just like has this like fake energy, you know? So, um, I, but to say I wasn't nervous or anything because I was just like, all right, cool. Like let's let it roll, man. Like, yeah, you're going to be you. And you know, yeah, you might say some things that people go, wow, that's kind of crazy, but like, Hey, it, it's me. Like, I'm sorry if you don't like it, but like, I gotta be me, man. Like, I'm not going to be some fake dude. And you know, and I, no offense to anybody, any other coaches, but like, I've heard just like the, the press conferences that just, you know, everybody says the same thing and maybe that's exactly who they are, but that's not me. Like, you know, so I wasn't about to just stand up there and say the same exact things that everybody else says. And, uh, you know, I'm different and uh, I embrace that I'm different. So yeah, I, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, last question for you. Uh, for, for a young guy that wants to get into this profession and someday wants to, wants to lead their own program on the division one level. Um, there's a thousand different ways to get there. And certainly yours is, is, is one of the more unique paths, uh, that, that you've taken, but what advice would you give, uh, to that young guy that, uh, that ultimately wants to be a division one head coach? I'd say, um, you know, just going through my journey, and I can only speak to my journey. Everybody's journey is different. And that's one thing that everybody's got to understand is that like everybody's journey is different. The more things you can do, the more valuable you become. Um, because on a staff, like people have different roles and the more roles that you can do, the better you're going to be from washing laundry to doing scouting reports and recruiting. And I, I mean, the whole thing, you know, housing, all that, like, you know, the, the more things you can do, the more valuable you become. And I, I'd say the biggest thing is, is work hard in your own job, be great in your own job and somebody will notice. And don't complain about your situation, um, you know, and, and one of the biggest things too is don't compare yourself to other people and don't compare yourself to your situation, to somebody else's situation. Why did they get that job? And that's it. Just worry about doing your own job. And for me, it worked out. Like I just worried about doing my own job and, and tried to do the best possible job I could for all the head coaches that I worked for. And um, that was a mentality that I had. I never once looked at somebody and said, man, like, why is that guy got that job? Because that happens a lot. Like it happens a lot. People are always complaining about stuff like that. And it doesn't do you any good. You know, um, it just turns people bitter and upset. And um, like I said, it doesn't do you any good. Just be great at your own job and be thankful that you have a job and be thankful that you have a head coach that believes you. And so, you know, the rest will work itself out how it's supposed to work out. But, you know, you just got to be ready for anything. Thanks to Coach Coburn for joining me. And thanks to you, as always, for listening to Coaching Origins. If you liked what you heard today and want to hear more, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe, leave a comment and a review so we can continue to bring you the origin stories of the coaches who make college basketball the great game that it is.